You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday. My name is Bryce Kuhn alongside Glenn West and Sonny Ship. Back here on the Go 24-7 podcast as we talk spring football, which is it's in a weird time. It's, it's starting to dwindle down a little bit as we get closer and closer to the, and I'm going to put air quotes, spring game, because we still really, I don't get, think, guys, we really understand what the spring game is going to look like yet for LSU. It's going to be different. Not going to be a normal one for sure. But as we continue to see what Brian Kelly has to say in press conferences, we continue to see, uh, well, Glenn does, that is, the little excerpts of practices that he does get to see. Uh, We're learning more and more, and Brian Kelly opened up this past uh, Tuesday more in his press conference on a couple of topics that we're going to tackle today. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe (coughs) to the YouTube channel, and also follow us wherever you listen on your podcast, audio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get that. Make sure to follow us, like us, and subscribe there as well. Well, guys, let's let's start right here with this. Uh, Glenn, I want to start with uh, the, the transfer portal conversation because that was kind of one of the hot topics coming in. Sonny has kind of alluded to this. Would there be any exits? Would there be anything they want to add uh, when the portal opens back up after spring practice? So, Glenn, kind of tell us and, and let us know what were Brian Kelly's thoughts on the portal. And I know the big one was they're not really going to look for a big-name starter. It seems like depth is going to be the way they go. Yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously the hope you have when you kind of head into the second period, um, the second transfer portal period here, is that you don't really feel like you have a need as a, at a starting position. And so I think one of the great things about this spring uh, has been you've been able to really learn about some of the depth at some of these positions that LSU could be looking at and just uh, kind of where they could look. Uh, to add a couple of pieces. Um, sounds like on the defensive side of the ball, they're uh, certainly keeping their options open in terms of adding potentially another uh, defensive lineman, another uh, potential corner or, uh, or safety. Um, and then obviously on the offensive line, uh, you have a, a need on the interior, I think is that that's kind of the nice way of putting it. I think they're, you know, you got some guys coming uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. You got some true freshmen coming in here. You got Mason Lunsford. Uh, coming in as well um, but you know you, you've been you've really gotten to see I think kind of the the real edge of, of the depth chart here uh, with with Bo Bordelon really coming along Marlon Martinez um, does he kind of stick around uh, after this spring uh, and there could be a need there to fill you know an interior uh, lineman position whether it's at guard or center somebody that can maybe play across the O-line a little bit for you and help out with some depth so I do think that it's, uh, you know, the bigger point here that Kelly was trying to make is that they're uh, not really looking to get that, you know, Joe Burrow kind of impact piece in here. You know, they're looking to maybe sand out the edges, look for a few pieces that, you know, they feel like can help and be competitive and uh, maybe play in spots next fall. Um, but but in terms of looking for the big time, you know, impact player as a starter, 
Uh, I'm not sure that's exactly what they want. And uh, Coach Kelly kind of reaffirmed that yesterday in his press conference. Yeah, and that's kind of a good spot to sit in. I mean, to be able to just say, hey, we're going to refine the edges. We're going to bring in some depth guys. Uh, Sonny, you posted on the board uh, this morning about kind of a wish list that you might want to see. And so what if if there is any, and, and there's some spots and Glenn highlighted, what would you like to see this team kind of tackle? Is it best available? I know we're getting into NFL draft type of terminology here. Best available, or is it really keying on specific positions? Yeah, no. <clears throat> I think if you're, I, I think if you're, if you have multiple, if you have multiple swats you don't feel good about, then maybe you look at that best available. But I think what this boils down to here is that they're looking for multiple years of eligibility. You know, they don't want they're, they're they don't need a one hit wonder. You know, they're they've got uh, they got Omar Spates. They got him to come in. You know, he's kind of that one hit wonder. Got one year left to play. Um, Joe Fouché last year, you know, kind of fit that bill too. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think that they're in a position now to where they need to do that. They hit the portal aggressively and hard in the first portal window. And so now I think what you're doing now is you're trying to find some pieces that you can add to your roster, but that also that they're going to come in in a, in a situation to where you can develop them and at the same time, you have multiple years to develop them. Um, you know, Denver Harris is a perfect example. You know, you got a guy who comes in where he played one year. You know, he's still got three years left to play plus a red shirt to burn. Um, you know, so guys like that is what I think you'll start off, is what I think you'll see. You know, Mason Lunsford, I think, is a good example of that. Now, he's a guy with him not being here in the spring. He's now going to get here at the beginning of the summer. And so when you get an offensive lineman like that, you have to think that he's not looking at a situation. Now, granted, he could be tossed into that uh, more into that topic of having to pl- needing to play early, but you know it's a situation to where you're looking at him for not necessarily for this coming year, but maybe for next year. A guy that comes in gives you some snaps this year. Now, all of a sudden, when you're in the spring next year, instead of having to plug in a redshirt freshman offensive lineman in there, you've got a fifth year senior who has some eligibility and who also is now going to be a second year in the program. So I think that's what they're really going to try to uh, try to fill out here. Looking at the, it's always, it's always, it's always tricky to, you know, you work looking at the roster numbers, trying to figure out, okay, we feel that Damian Ramos was put on scholarship and no Josh Williams was, but who else? And so it's kind of hard to sift through those numbers. But I think when you look at it right now, a good number is somewhere between that four to six number, probably closer to four is where I think LSU is in terms of actual openings um, for the 85-man scholarship limit. So anyone that you lose, you would obviously want to, you know, you, you would obviously want to go in and replace that guy. But if you can, if you can inch one or two more towards – that 85 number and you know then it still puts you in a situation where you're going into the 2024 class you don't have you know you're not going to have a signing cap again and so you're basically you know you're not going to be just recruiting to that 25 number you're going to be recruiting to that 85 number and so I think that that's where you know that that's what this second transfer portal window that's what the importance is going to be on it's going to be on adding some depth guys that have those multiple years left to play that you can also develop um, you know that they're not necessarily so green coming out of high school they have a little bit of, 
you know, they have a little bit of familiarity with the college program. And so it can kind of speed up that development a little bit. Yeah, and what you described right there was kind of what Kelly was talking about, the defensive back room. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. I put up a piece on it, and I thought it was interesting because the question that came from the media member was talking about, is there a concern? Obviously, uh, Sonny, you and Glenn have obviously kind of reported this on the VIP side of things, but I think people kind of know now that Major Burns and Greg Brooks are two guys that did not participate uh, in spring ball, at least the viewing period that Glenn got to see, and, and not really – uh, it's not detrimental injuries by any means. They're going to be ready for fall camp, everyone feels like, obviously. But is there a concern where they need to add somebody or are these so many new faces enough? And, Glenn, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, kind of the tone that Kelly spoke with about that question. What do you feel? Do you feel like they have enough or is that another position they could go look? And I mentioned earlier, April 15th is when this portal opens. I said after spring practice. This is in two, three days that we're going to see this portal open up again. So, Glenn, kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I, I think probably if you're looking to add somebody out of the two positions, I think safety is probably the one you're leaning towards. Um, you know, Greg Brooks and Major Burns, yeah, it doesn't sound like they're going to be significant injuries. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that they can't, you know, they can't miss time later in the year. And, you know, mm-hmm. where, where are your options, you know, after uh, in that kind of scenario? And I think what you're seeing right now is they're moving a lot of guys around. JV and Tobiano is a guy who's played some safety in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they, they like what Ryan Yates has been able to do. Sage Ryan is kind of the they're, – they're penciling him in as kind of the nickel corner guy. I think he's going to be uh, someone that you can rotate at that spot. But as as far as like a true, a true safety, um, they, they're, they're, I think they're a little bit lacking in depth right there in terms of just um, – guys that they feel like they can rely on behind Greg Brooks and major Burns. And so I do think that's an area where you could, you could certainly see them look at in the portal. Um, You know, in terms of, you know, Kelly's response to that, I think it was, you know, kind of, kind of expected. I think there's um, they're, they're still learning about that group. um, Still learning who, who can fit where, Um, like I said, they're still moving some pieces around. Maybe you get into a situation this fall, and you got to move another corner to safety or you move a nickel corner to safety. You know, there's there's some versatility that a lot of those defensive backs can play with. And so it's just about figuring out which guys you really think can can play that spot, which guys can learn and pick it up quickly. And um, look, I think the, the obvious answer here is that you hope that Greg Brooks and Major Burns last the whole year without getting injured. Um, but Major's a guy that we've seen, you know, even in his two years here, has dealt with a lot of injuries. And mm-hmm. you've got to be prepared for, you know, that kind of scenario. And, and you have to have a reliable option back there. So I think that's probably why, you know, you, you got some of that, um, that response from Kelly yesterday. Sonny, have you seen a spring practice where – LSU has been this thin at, at some key positions to be able to get some real reps. I mean, uh, Kelly turned it what I thought could have been a negative into a positive, saying, hey, it's been refreshing to see a lot of young guys being able to have to make checks and have to go through that process, which you and I talked about way at the beginning of the year, is huge for their development because if they're put in a spot in the fall. Have you seen this? Maybe it was last year. I wasn't around for last year under Kelly's first year, but have you seen a practice, spring practice, where they've been so thin, and how does that affect it really? Yeah. You know, last year they were – I think last year they were thin just because of the roster numbers, the roster numbers that had gotten, you know, to the point that it had gotten to before they went to the Texas Bowl and played Kansas State with 
I can't remember, 38 maybe scholarship <laughs> players. I forget. seems like that number changes every time. It's every time another story it's comes lower out. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I don't – no, and, and I think, uh, you know, and, and I think when you look at it, this spring they did have a lot of injuries. The good thing is that a lot of them were kind of holdovers and things that they were trying to – had to fix from the 2022 season. So that puts you in a, you know, that 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 puts you in a little bit of a better spot there. You're not having guys going out, knock on wood, tearing their ACLs or their Achilles or, you know, to where not only are they, they're going to be out, they're going to miss the 2023 season or a large chunk mm-hmm. of it too. So that's a good thing. But I also think that what you see is just a, another, another example of where the roster was when Kelly got here. And that, you know, he provided a, a short gap measure last year. I think this this year what they hope is that they were able to provide that short-term gap, but then also the long-term with guys who will be around next year too. You know, you don't have as many guys who are, who are um, you know, susceptible to being just a one-year, you know, one-year guy, and then all of a sudden you have to go up and you have to find – another transfer to come in. So I think they're in a better situation from that standpoint, but I don't think there's any question that the spring has really um, kind of limited some things that they were able to do. We'll, we'll see it in the spring game. They'll, I imagine it'll be one of these things to where, you know, first downs, get a point, uh, fumbles, interceptions, things like mm-hmm. that, to try to create some kind of competitive atmosphere for the players. But, um, you know, there, I, I, I don't think there's any question that injuries have really kind of limited what they wanted to be able to do this spring, particularly probably along the offensive line and the defensive mm-hmm. line. You know, they it's nice that you're able that you have Mason Smith and Makai Wingo out and you're able to get a lot of reps for Jacoby and Guillory and then some of the some of the uh, the other younger guys. But on the flip side, you want to see what you have. You want to see what you have. You want to have that reassurance. And then you want the you you know, you want your depth guys to also be practicing for the situations that they're going to be seeing in the fall, I think, too. So I don't think that the I don't think that the injuries um just made the spring, you know, a total mess or anything. But I think that it did put it did that it did put an emphasis on I think it did put an emphasis on Kelly and them having to be a lot smarter, be a lot more careful with guys. Um, and, and Glenn, just to kind of piggyback on something you said about the safety, I think you made a great point on that, um, that if they do look into the portal, that it would probably be the safety position. You know, you mentioned it, it was great that Brian Kelly said that the major burns injury, because there was some fear that it could have been a more serious injury like he suffered um, his first year here in Baton yeah. Rouge. And so for that not to uh, for that not to come to fruition, I think it, it is really good. But if you look after Brooks and Burns, you know, your safeties, you've got Ryan Yates and JV and Tobiano who have both, mm-hmm. you know, who, who have been here and stuff. Sage Ryan, Matthew Langloy, who is still coming off of, you know, he's coming off of his Another ACL injury. Yeah. that he had last year. So there is, I think that that probably is the one position that, you may be able to go out and 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 get a player who has one year, you know, who only has one year left to play, who may be in a situation where he may be coming off of an injury, or 
you know, something, something extraordinary to where he's okay with coming in and with being a one year guy, that might be the one position to where you could see them maybe try to find that, you know, I think it puts you in a tough spot though, because, you know, a lot of guys coming in with one year to play, you know, they want a little, not necessarily reassurance, but they want to be able to see that, okay, the path to getting on the field more is not as bumpy as it looks on paper, mm. you know, if, if that yeah. makes sense. So yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they're, if they're able to do that. And if someone like that, um, it, you know, comes along, you know, it may be even a situation to where you saw with seven banks last year, you know, yeah. they took seven banks hoping that he's able to make this recovery from his injury and have that bounce back type of year. Um, you know, another potential option could be, uh, you know, do we see one of the corners, maybe play some safety. Deuce Chestnut's a guy that I think of that kind of comes to mind. Yeah. You know, how are you going to fit? You know, you've got Zy Alexander. You've got Deuce Chestnut. Denver Harris didn't play a lot last year. J.K. Johnson played some. But I think that those two right there are guys who are coming in who left programs where they were starters and they were yeah, entrenched yeah. starters too. And so, you know, how are you how are you able to get these experienced corners? Then you got Chestnut, you got J.K. Johnson, you got LaTerrence Welch, you got all these other guys too. And are you able to shift some guys around to fit those pieces? You know, if Chestnut would have been active in the spring right here, it probably would have been able to help with that decision. But I think that that's going to be an interesting an interesting storyline to follow. You know, over the summer and into fall camp is all of these transfer pieces who came in playing a lot of football at the places they left, how do they get them in situations to where they're still involved? Maybe not as involved as they, as they were at the places that they left, but enough involved to where you're able to maybe mix and match a few pieces like, you know, like they were able to do this spring. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, uh, I, I just kind of wanted to bounce off of something that Sonny said there. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that this spring you hoped to have had coming in that you just didn't wind up getting as much as continuing to build the continuity uh, at some of those positions, you know, especially along the offensive line uh, where that is just so key. I mean, you have, you know, four of your starters that are playing and participating and getting a lot of reps, but – uh, you don't have your starting center in Charles Turner, and you have to be careful about the reps that you give those starters because the last thing you want is to see another starting line then go down because you're working them too hard. And so, you know, they, I think the lack of depth you you certainly could see uh, on the offensive line this spring. You have guys coming in 
but you didn't really get the most out of this spring. I think that you probably could have hoped for coming in. And the same is the true with the defensive line. I mean, I really wanted to see what Mason Smith and Makai Wingo looked like next to some of these edge rushing options that they brought in via the portal. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't get a chance to see it. And that's because these guys are, you know, they're rehabbing from injuries and um, you know, it's, it's good that it sounds like they're going to be ready for summer workouts, but um, you know, this is time where, it's time you can't get back, right? I mean, it's just an extra three or four weeks here where you could have really uh, found out a little bit more about your foundation and just kind of what this defense and offensive line could look like. Uh, and I think that's just an area that you kind of lost a little bit uh, in terms of time. Uh, not to say that you can't make it up because you absolutely can uh, in the fall, but um, I think you you just you don't have the clear picture, I guess, heading into the summer. Uh, that you really hoped uh, LSU would be able to have with so much of the returning pieces uh, coming back for this season. So uh, I think that has probably just been my just kind of overall takeaway from from spring practice has just been because of some of these injuries, because some of these guys aren't yet on campus. You don't have the full picture yet. And that's, um, you know, for for you know a year or two where the foundation was really built in that first year, you were hoping to see a little bit more of that continuity carry over into this spring. And, um, you know, I think you're going to get that this fall and certainly this summer as well. Um, but to not get it these first, you know, few weeks, these few, you know, several weeks of practice, I think is probably just a little bit of lost time there that you can't get back. I guess that means that um, fall camp, it'll be a good time for people to subscribe to go 24 seven because there's going to be a sure. lot of talking Absolutely. points that we don't see uh, in the, in the spring. Uh, let's stay defensively here real quick, because I want to talk about uh, obviously the timeline for a new defensive line coach. Now, uh, Brian Kelly opened a lot up on that on Tuesday, talking about he he said, you know, it could be around the middle of May. Uh, Sunday, we had some questions. I mean, does that mean that obviously a guy that, you know, I think all of us felt like had a decent shot at this job and Gerald Chapman is not in the running? Now, Kelly did reiterate and say, hey, he's a candidate. But, Sonny, I'll start with you on this. I mean, the timeline. Listen, you you've we, we've – We've all covered, you know, football varying time frames, but I know that when you see something be pushed out further, the immediate thought is it's not going to be an in-house guy. Now, you've said that you kind of think it still could be that they're going to go out of house on this. How are you feeling about Chapman's chances and still any names that you think could be in, in play here as, uh, you know, we get closer and closer to the end of spring ball? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I think when, you know, when Kelly first talked about this, he had mentioned some of the things that you know you you got to have some SEC experience. You got to you got to you got to have been in some SEC wars. Uh, you've got to you got to have recruiting skins on the wall. Um, you know you you've got to you've got to be a uh, you know I don't want to say a decorated recruiter, but you've got to have some experience and you've got to have some produce some results in recruiting. And just those two criteria alone, you know, for for me, the first time he opened up about it, those seemed like kind of like his like the two main things that you know they really kind of harped on. And Chapman doesn't have either of those, so that's what kind of made me think that you know that that this is probably going to be a situation to where he's going to be looking outside to bring someone in. You know, he said that they didn't want to really uh, deal with it during the spring, and. Um, you know, then he tossed out that three-week timeline. So, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean three weeks from now, three weeks from the end of spring? Uh, so that's spring, why I yeah. kind of looked at that middle of May, you know, as kind of like, a, you know, that sounds – maybe that sounds kind of like what he was kind of toward to uh, gearing towards. But 
I don't think that, you know, I don't think he's got someone locked up. I think that like anything, you know, when you're, when you're going through resumes, when you're looking at people who are interested in your job and stuff, um, you know, there's going to be a, okay, I liked it. You know, I like this one right here. I like this resume. I like this right here. I like this right here. And you can kind of start to formulate like a little pecking order. If this was your, you know, if this was your final pool right here, you know, kind of going in. So I think that's probably where Kelly is right now. Look, he's been around long enough. He knows enough people out there. He knows the, you know, he, he knows the names being floated out there. You know, Bo Davis is a name that a lot of people just jumped on from the very beginning. He certainly seems to fit the criteria for what Kelly, uh, you know, is looking for. Granted, he does bring a little bit of baggage with him, you know, so how does that, you know, how will that factor into this, um, you know, to this long term? But I think that, you know, I think that this is probably one of those cases to where he realizes what Jamar Kane brought to the table as far as being a national recruiter, as far as when Jamar Kane's name is inserted into a, you know, into a high profile national recruitment, that it kind of just lends some credibility to it, you know, that it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, LSU is going to be in it right here. They're in the mix. You've got Jamar Kane on there. So I think that he, that, that, that type of person that has that type of, um, you know, that has that type of reach, I think is what he's looking for. And so that's what me, makes me think that Chapman, um, you know, that, that Chapman still has some skins on the wall to attain to be able to, to check off those boxes. That's not to say that, I mean, look, you know, no one, no one has the advantage that Gerald Chapman has of being able to, of having a job interview to where he's in the room, he's in the building nonstop. That can be good. And that can also be bad. But from talking to everyone, you know, it sounds like Chapman has made the most of it, that he has not done anything to, you know, to hurt his candidacy in this. That I think it's just a matter of does he have those prerequisite skills that, you know, that Kelly is looking for in this hire. So, um, you know, I don't as far as other names, you know, I think you look at, you know, that you start to look at guys that Kelly may have worked with before, that he has relationships with before. And then you start to kind of, you know, and then you can kind of start to maybe hone in a little bit on, you know, on that specific pool. But he wasn't really he he wasn't too willing to uh, toss out any names <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> no, no, no. And, to have been glad, I, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I think probably the biggest thing or just another component to that is that they felt very comfortable with running this thing through the spring without making a, you know, a rash decision and I think part of that is because they have some trust in what Chapman's able to do. You know, we've talked with Jacoby and Guillory and um, you know, he he really loves uh, Chapman and what he's been able to do with the defensive line group uh, this spring. Uh, talked to a number of recruits, uh, defensive line recruits who have been on campus and uh, been around the program, and you know they have nothing but good things to say about LSU and and why they and they're and, and the fact that they're still in the mix for some of these big name uh, defensive line de- defensive linemen without having a defensive line coach hire, uh, I think speaks volumes to what LSU is as a program, what they hope to be, um, you know, moving forward here uh, uh, under Coach Kelly, and you know I think it's a good thing that you know they they didn't feel the pressure off of that news because a lot of teams when you lose a coach you know that you know kind of far into spring and 
you know, you, you had some time to build repertoire with the the players and everything, and all of a sudden they're just gone. You know, you might feel the the, the kind of the knee jerk reaction to, to make a, mm-hmm. a a quick move, and I think the fact that LSU didn't make a quick move, the fact that they're taking their time with this, um, that they realize the bigger picture here is to bring in a guy that checks all those boxes that Sonny just mentioned, um, and that they felt comfortable with promoting the guy from within to to be able to handle this for at least in the immediate you know kind of interim. Uh, you know, situation I think uh, speaks volumes to how you know how connected they are as as a program and as a staff and how comfortable they feel with moving forward here uh, in, in, into the off season and making this decision. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. And I think another podcast will be talking kind of about you know who can step up and assume the role that Jamar Cain did, not only just in the in the, obviously the defensive line room, but the recruiting front. Who's that guy that can maybe step up? Uh, that's another podcast for another day. Last but certainly not least, let's hit on this real quick. Uh, Glenn, we talked all things defense today, but Brian Kelly did hit on the offense, and he hit on some of the younger guys, especially – uh, the skill position. Sonny, I know that you are, you know, you listed uh, Trey Holly as a, as a sleeper candidate. Is it due to the amount of reps that he has received? I mean, what what is what makes Trey Holly a sleeper candidate for you? And then, Glenn, uh, I want you to kind of piggyback on some of the things that you heard, maybe saw uh, this past week at practice. Well, when you have a when you have a signing when you have a class as good as LSU's had with as many four stars, it's kind of hard to find a sleeper, you know. Yeah, yeah, but. You know, I think what I did, you know, is I looked at it, you know, tw- uh, we had 24-7 sports had Trey Holly as a three-star, uh, I, b- I believe, with an 87 rating. I think so. And uh, he was a four-star on the composite, you know. So, of course, you know, fan- you know, some, you know, a lot of fans, you know, oh, we've got him underrated. We've got him, you know, we've got, we've got him underranked. But for me, it was just seeing what he brought to the table. What he brought to the table with his foot speed – with his quickness that he has, with his ability to stop and go and make people miss in the backfield, and then still be able to uh, still be able to get positive real estate, those were big for me, along with his recruiting ranking. But then also seeing how many reps he's gotten, and then when Brian Kelly talked about how he's really benefited from the you know from from the pass blocking, to where if you've got a true freshman coming in and you've got as many injured horses as LSU has in that running back room, you know, three of them have missed a large part, if not all of the spring, Caleb Jackson's coming in after missing all of last season, minus the first half of the season opener. So you don't have a lot, you don't have a, you don't have a crowded back crowded house right now because you've got a house with a bunch of guys who just can't play, you know, because they're hurt. And so for Holly, with Holly getting all of the reps that he has with his skill set, with what he brings to the table, where if he's getting if he if he's really kind of starting to get down the pass blocking side of playing running back, that's the hardest part for a yeah. high school kid to pick up. So if he's coming in with the skills and attributes that he has as far as being able to run the ball and he's picking that up, you know, that 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 made me feel a lot better about that pick. That made me yeah. feel a lot better about it because you know, I think that obviously with, you know, John Emery, you know, after this many years now, you don't know what you're going to get. You, yeah. ju- you just have – you have no clue of what you're going to get. You have Armani Goodman coming back from an injury. You have Josh Williams where I feel like you know what you're going to get in his heart every time he touches the field. But can his body handle – can his body hold up to that, uh, to that type of SEC schedule. And so when you put all of those questions in there and then you have Holly just kind of coming in and, and really kind of, really kind of, um, you know, taking advantage of the situation that he has, 
under Noah Cain's tutelage. I think that Holly is a guy that if he continues to make the strides that he's made, you know, that he could end up being one of the surprises of this running back room. Because I think if you're going into this season and, and before spring camp and you're listing all of the LSU running backs, you know, I would probably have Trey I would I would have probably had Trey fifth or sixth in that yeah. in that you know from one to six of the running back room in terms of where he fit into the plans in twenty twenty three. And, you know, I think now you got to elevate that to middle of the pack and, yeah. and, and look at him as a guy like, okay, this guy's going to play in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going yeah, to have those running backs to get through the season. Yeah. Go, go and go ahead on the kind of other names maybe we're seeing. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, you know, just piggybacking off of that, I think they've been really impressed with the, the true freshman tight ends they've had, um, McGohan uh, and Markway. They think Markway is a physical presence that, can really help them in the pass blocking aspect and the run blocking aspect of, of, of their offense. Um, they think McGohan is already a, a catch and run kind of uh, savant. They think he can be a really good uh, kind of complementary piece to, to what Mason Taylor can do from a pass catching perspective. And um, maybe you don't have to lean as heavily, um, you know, uh, on, on Mason Taylor because you have a guy that can, also be serviceable and complement the tight end room like that. So um, I think they like what they have with those two guys. I think one of the biggest kind of under the radar stories the last couple of weeks has been Bo Bordelon. I've heard a lot of great things about him uh, and how he's adjusted. He's put on a lot of good weight. Uh, he's, he's taken um, a lot of snaps at center. They feel really comfortable with him as kind of a backup center, backup interior lineman that, that can really go in and I think help. Uh, LSU in some spots next year um, and then and then the freshman receivers and how they've worked those two guys in and Jalen Brown uh, and Kyle Parker um, you know Brown he, he's skinny I mean he, he's got to put on some weight and and you know I think that's going to be a big focus for him um, but his athleticism and his potential are certainly uh, screaming at you when you walk out there and you see him in individual drills. Um, he was a little bit nicked up. I think they're hoping to have him cleared by the end of the week uh, to get back into full practice mode. But, um, you know, he, he's looked good. Kyle Parker is, um, you know, a really kind of a guy that flew up, you know, dra uh, recruiting r rankings last year in his senior season in Texas and is a guy that I think LSU really likes and, then I think the biggest thing is, you know, the evolution of the offense and just seeing how, you know, Jaden Daniels can continue to evolve as a more aggressive passer down the field. I think that's been a big emphasis the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and I think he's responding well to that, uh, to those challenges in terms of pushing the ball downfield, getting, uh, giving some guys some more one-on-one -on -one opportunities down the field and making those decisions. Um, and that, that comes with time. I mean, it, it's just, it's something it's, I think Mike Denbrock said, it's just a mindset you have to have, um, for, for, for him. And, and I think that's something he's really worked on, uh, in the off season. And, and I think LSU was seeing some of the results there on the field. And, you know, I think when you work in with him and what you have with Garrett Nussmeyer is a really just a, a absolute stud of a thrower uh just gives lsu a couple really good options there and you know they're going to lean in certainly to Jaden this year because of his dual threat ability but um i think they've, they've been really impressed with what they've seen from nussmeyer as well 
Yeah, you mentioned, I think it was about a week or two ago, the way the ball comes off of Nussmeyer's hands different. And uh, we, I think we say it every podcast now, just to tease the fans and just create and stir up more conversation, which is never a bad thing. Sure. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to the Go 24-7 podcast. My name is Bryce Kuhn. Glenn West and Sonny Ship joining me today on the podcast. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and Wednesday as we get closer to the end of spring ball. Transfer portal open backs up. Backs up. And, uh, guys, it's going to be summertime before we know it. Camp season and uh, it's and then workouts and then fall camp. It is all going to uh, kind of snowball from here in a good way, in a good way. But pretty you'll, sure officially become, you'll officially become a Louisiana taxpayer. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait, man. I can't wait. Yes. I booked the U-Haul yesterday. So we got the yes. U-Haul booked. and uh, Awesome. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. Absolutely fantastic. No, appreciate it. And it's going to be a lot of fun to be down there, obviously, with the excitement surrounding this program. And, uh, man, I, I guess I'll get ju- get there just in time to watch uh, baseball, hopefully, deep into the, uh, into the postseason. So we'll see. We have to drop a baseball one every single podcast for sure. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you on the forums, on our YouTube page. Make sure to comment down below your thoughts on spring practice, how it's going, and any questions you may have going forward. We'll see you next time. Have a fantastic rest of CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a fire. I used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.